You know, I was thinking this uh, about the presence of the Lord. When I think about the presence of the Lord, I enjoy the presence of the Lord. You enjoy the presence of the Lord. I was thinking about the presence of the Lord. And uh, then I thought, you know what? Isn't the presence of people wonderful too? Huh? You know, I mean, it, it, it really is. I, uh, it's really great that, you know, that uh, not only is Jesus here, but you're here. It just is it's, it's a fantastic thing. And uh, so, you know, uh, I praise God for uh, his faithful presence, and I want to, you know, uh, praise you for your faithful presence. You know, you go ask the question, you know, this, this church attends, what, what, what's all about? You know, well, you know, because the church is God's personal project. It's his personal project. Jesus said, I will build my church. You know, and the, the, the idea is that, you know, it would be such a church, you know what I mean, that the powers of darkness are not going to be able to, you know, hold it back, is those songs that we sang this morning, you know. Nothing can hold it back. And so, you know, uh, wonderfulness of the church is this God's personal project you know, and when you attend church, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, letting people know whose side you're on. Now, I'm not making a plug for just attending church. I'm trying to make a plug, you know what I mean? We really need to, you know, let everybody know whose side we're on. Yeah. The empty houses this morning, you know what I mean? If someone comes to knock on the door and they go, ah, nobody's home. Well, at nine o'clock in the morning, on Sunday, people get the message, don't they? They're on the Lord's side. So they're showing up and demonstrating their, their loyalty. Shall we pray? Father, thank you. I first of all want to thank you, Father, for the Gideons. Lord, the, the magnitude of the work, the sacrifice of the workers. God, where can we go, Father, and find that 100% of the gifts go to the distribution of the word? So thank you for the sacrifice of the servants, the families, Father, that these men and women put into your cause. Thank you for that. Thank you for the families in this house. Lord, those that are members here and our visitors even that are here who we love so dearly. God, uh, I pray that, you know, the riches of your grace would just crown them on a daily basis. To those that are not so fortunate, and life is, has some challenges and, and, and trials beyond the norm, I pray for their personal strength. The comfort of the Holy Spirit and the body and presence of the Almighty and the hope that you give to them. Father, we just thank you for the word that's been written now let the word also be spoken, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen? Amen. Great day. Great God. Amen. So everything should be great. Last week we started about talking about your portrait of God. What does your picture of God look like? You know, it's interesting that some people seem to have a real big devil and a small God. But we want to, you know, understand that the devil really is so small that he fits under your feet. That's what Paul wrote. He said, you know, that God shall crush Satan under your feet shortly. So he's, you know, anywhere from a, a 7 to 8 to 9 to 12. If he were Blair Gunderson, he might get a 13. You know what I mean? He's, he's really not that big. But he's very crafty. He's very crafty. He's very creative. He's, he has a lot of, you know, a lot of arsenal. And he loves to play with your mind. Loves to work on your emotions. You know, he, he is, he, he's, he's, scripture calls him wise. He's wiser than Daniel. So, you know, you, you, you can't take him lightly, but you don't have to be afraid of him. Okay? But, you know, he's not very big, but God is very big. Now, it's impossible for us to really, you know, uh, uh, articulate or even, you know, comprehend how big God is. I mean, we can't even figure out the size of the universe. It just keeps expanding, and yet it says that he fills it all, and yet there's more God left over. I mean, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, how big, how big is your image and your, 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 your picture of God? Because your view and understanding of God, you know, translates to your faith and action. Yeah. Sometimes we need some revelation. Isaiah was a man that had a personal revelation about a, a you know, not just about the size of God, but about God himself. When he got a picture, you know, and saw him high and lifted up in the temple. You know, and he recognized there was something really majorly holy about God that, that you know, just, just, tapped into him and, and shook him to the core. See, he's saying, well, God's just not big. There's a character about God that, you know, elevates him and that he identified and wanted to go ahead and just, you know, kind of, you know, tap, tap into Last week I used the phrase wallet size picture. Two by three, eight by ten, you know, thirteen by eighteen, twenty by twenty. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean we need to start pictures uh, painting some murals. Because God is so great and and so awesome. In big, and so today I want to hopefully not just paint a portrait, but help us to understand, you know, the possibility of miracles. 
and also not just miracles, but the blessings. Miracles are wonderful. Miracles are generally that divine intervention of God that is for a crisis, a situation that needs some immediate, amazing attention. God loves to do miracles, and he's done miracles. There's categories of miracles, but then there's that reason why that Jesus Christ came not just so God could perform miracles because God had already been performing miracles. But Jesus came because he wanted to make, the, make it so that the blessing would start flowing in your direction. Now most people prefer miracles, but I want to submit to you this morning that blessings are better than miracles. In, Genesis, in the book of Genesis, when God created the things, you know what I mean? It was connected to blessing. But when sin came in, you know, and corrupted things, then all of a sudden we needed some miracles. Because miracles, you know, are for crisis. And we were in a crisis. And we have crisis, so we need miracles. And so this is not a competition between blessing and miracles. But if you need a miracle to help with your crisis, eventually God wants to get you aligned so that you can have the flow of blessing. He says that, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. In other words, we were outside it, but now God has orchestrated and made a way for that blessing. Would you say that it's, it's better to avoid a problem or be delivered out of it? Now, I've lived long enough to be able to make that decision. If it's every time I say, not me, Lord, it's in problems, it's trouble. Now, I believe in miracles, and I believe that, you know what I mean, there are, that, that life can, they can come unexpectedly, that bad things happen to good people, you know, and even blessed people. But believing not just for miracles, but believing for blessing. God can go ahead and deliver you financially from bankruptcy. But I would rather have the blessing that keeps me from bankruptcy. <laughs> Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. I'm making any sense today. We're not putting miracles down. Because we've all had to have the miracles. And we're going to need miracles along the way. Miracles are tremendous attention getters. But as the children of God, God wants us to have a focus of more than just a miracle, but the blessing. The blessing.
I think that we move into the, the blessing arena when we discover the message that the miracle is trying to show us. When Jesus did the miracles, the people got caught up in the miracle, you know, and as a result of that, the miracle was more important than the message. And yet, the miracle was designed to get the attention to the messenger so you could hear his message. The message. The miracle. Hallelujah. So, you know, if you're living from miracle to miracle, it probably means that you're living from crisis to crisis. Now, I said that I've lived long enough to know which one I prefer. I'm grateful for the miracles when miracles have been needed. But I really enjoy living in the blessing. Living in the blessing. You see, when you learn to live in the blessing, you'll discover the principles and the application of those principles that connect you to the blessing. So look for the keys to the blessing and not just the miracles. But now let's go to miracles for a moment. Uh, I believe that most miracles are, particularly when it comes to the believer, God does miracles for unbelievers, all right? Faith is not always a prerequisite for a miracle when it comes to the unbeliever. It isn't. But faith is a prerequisite for miracles when it comes to the believer. It is a prerequisite. And so... As God's children, we may be praying for a miracle in which we have a couple of cases in which we need miracles. And the key to the miracle may rest in, you know, something that God is asking you to do. Over your miracle may be a, you know, what we might refer to as Genesis chapter 1, a crust. Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that God created, you know, in the beginning God created the heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void of anything. Now what happened between Genesis 1 and chapter 2 is open for our discovery when we get to heaven. But I don't think that God originally created void and nothing. 
So a crisis has happened, the event has taken place, and it has left what could be covered, you know, by a seemingly impenetrable, you know, uh, uh, barrier. Sometimes that which is preventing miracles in the life of people is that there is an event. There has been an event. There's a tragedy. There's something that has happened or something that didn't happen that has messed with your picture of God, has, has somehow, you know what I mean, uh, 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 taken the promise of God, you know what I mean, and, and put it on a shelf for you. And so you're not getting a breakthrough because what has happened or hasn't happened has damaged your view of God, which in turn, you know what I mean, has affected your faith with regard to God. Some things not in necessarily because of the size of God or can God do this? Absolutely God can do this, but will God do it? I mean, you know, he did it and will do it for Joe, but will he do it for Pete? And I happen to be Pete. How do they get it done and I don't get it done? You see, the potential was there, but it was the cross that was preventing it. It says that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the earth. That literally means that, that it was, the Holy Spirit was like a sitting hen. Sitting on the earth, trying to warm it to break the crust. Or a hen that sits on her eggs and has to Sit out long enough, you know what I mean, so that which is internal can break through the shell or to be born. And as the Spirit of the Lord, you know, went ahead and, and just it kind of sat on the earth. Number one, it's vital that you employ the presence of God. The presence of God. People look for miracles and want miracles. And one of the surest way to miracles is the presence of God. The presence of the Almighty God. And then, of course, you know what I mean? The process, of course, is then the word being spoken. But so many people are just speaking the word and bypassing the presence. Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me, in my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. He said there got to be a connection with the presence of God and your asking. 
Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you always hear me. Whoa, hallelujah. And then he connects that to both his presence and his personal obedience to the Lord. One of the crusts that happens in people's lives is I've failed God, I've messed up, I'm not good enough. I have to earn this. And you never, for some reason, you know, the, the mental capacity to overcome that just never arises. And so you're always just kind of in a waiting waiting mode. Because that's so important, as a man thinketh, so is he. The mind, the will, and the emotions are major catalysts to, to affecting us in, in our faith. I just, because we can just talk about miracles and we can talk about blessings, but we want to discover, you know, what might be preventing yours? And I'm not saying it's being prevented, but what might be preventing it? We know it says that unbelief does it, but what's promoting the unbelief? We know that faith, you know, causes it to happen, so what can we do that faith can, you know, rise to the level of the miracle that you need? What is your picture of God. How much does he love you? Well, let's find out. Now, if you go by just life, you're going to come up short. Yeah. If that's your only ingredient, you know, that's contributing to, you know, the love dimension of that God has for you. You're going to come up short. But if you go to the words of Jesus, the words of Jesus is that the Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. Now, I tell you, church, that is it's almost incomprehensible, but that's what it says. He loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. He loved Jesus so much, and you've probably never heard of this, when there's so many things, you know, that, that relate to it, but he loved Jesus so much that he wouldn't leave him in the grave. We begin to understand when you put that together that he loves you so much that he's not going to leave the crust. It's keeping you from 
your miracle. Resurrection miracle. I don't know how long three days in the grave is, what it feels like. If you're dead, I don't know if it feels like anything. I mean, I just, you know, haven't been there. Don't t- blend to go there either. <laughs> How shall he not, the one who spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not give us freely all things that pertain to life and godliness? That's blessing. That's blessing. Scripture says in the song we used to sing when I was young is only believe all things are possible. Only believe. I'll be honest with you this morning, you know what I mean? Sometimes I think that I had more faith when I was young than I do now. Because life and disappointments and you know what I mean and whatnots seem to have a way of tampering with your your faith. But the good news is is faith is rebuildable. Faith is recoverable. Faith can be enlarged. I honestly, again, you know, when I say I'm honest, that doesn't mean that I'm not honest, you know, but it means I'm just being, you know, upfront with you right now, okay? There's a few young people in my life, and I am just amazed at their faith. A lot of people are kind of critical about, you know, the younger generation, you know, and some of them are, you know what I mean? Some of them are, you know, I don't know what island they're from, but, you know, it's not mine to determine what island they're from. But, you know, the ones I talk to is I'm going, whoa. See, it's like David. Stepping from the fields of his father into the battlefields, of adulthood and he hasn't had all of these portrait reducers that have, you know I mean they tried you're too small you're not a man of war you're a naughty little guy you got ulterior motives I mean you know what I mean they're just trying to they're just trying to pull his faith right down David turned his back on him. Listen, if you're not a faith builder, I don't have time to listen to your conversation. I just want us this morning not to, we have to come up with the particulars, but I don't know if we could just let the Lord wash us to the point where that, you know, 
that life hasn't ruined our portrait. If we can go ahead and, you know, put in the right category, now we see through a glass darkly. I just don't know, you know, why it went this way. I don't know why it took this route. You know what I mean? But one day I'm going to be able to see, you know, the reason why, and then I'll understand it. For we know that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us over there. I'm just not going to let the sufferings get a hold of me. I'm not going to let the adversity tear down my faith. I'm going to look over the horizon. And we're going to get a fresh picture. Hebrews chapter 12. Looking on to Jesus. Seeing Jesus again. Seeing God again in the face of Jesus Christ. See, as we said last week that the miracles were wonderful portraits of God, but they didn't tell the whole story. There were glimpses with the in the shadowness of the Old Testament, but they weren't a complete and total revelation of God. And so the Father says, we got to do something about that. I want to give him a better picture of who God is. So he sends his, G- his son Jesus, and Jesus becomes the express image of the Father. And so everything that you see about Jesus, everything that you hear Jesus doing, you know what I mean? That, that's God. That's God. He come to reveal the Father on a personal level. And I just become amazed at Jesus. I don't know. I hope you just you, you, you meditate on Jesus and how he worked. And say, Pastor, I don't know how to meditate. You know, if you can worry, you can meditate. All right? If you can worry, you can meditate. It's all, all it is just paying attention to. Okay, it's what, you know, your, what's going on in your mind. Yeah. And so, Father, why don't you see a picture of not just some things about him, but an over-specific portrait of the Almighty God. Now, 
What's one of the first things that the Father is showing to us? Humility. Humility. We talk about the miraculousness, you know, and all of this and all of that stuff. It's really true, but humility. He humbled himself. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation. He is a total reflection of God. How an all-powerful musician's got to come, and I'm taking too long. You know, <laughs> but he's not a God that's walking around strutting his power. Now, he is a God that, though he has all this power, you know what I mean? He doesn't legislate it. He's looking for an opportunity to delegate it. To delegate it. It says that the children of Israel knew the acts of God. So, okay. So what we have here now, we have the Old Testament and we have all this, you know, and, and we can see the ways of God, but that's not the, that's, that's not the forefront of what's being revealed. We're seeing the miracles, the acts of God. But Moses, who spent time in the presence of God, you know, and was privy to the writing of the heart of God, which is, that's all the Ten Commandments are, is the heart of God. But Moses knew the ways of God. The ways of God will help you move from just the miracle of God to the blessing of God. Because in the blessing of God, there's the application of the principles of God. The principles of God. Yeah. Maybe this morning you need a miracle. And he's still a God of miracles. And remember that miracles, miracles are variant in level and degrees. It says in Acts that a notable miracle was done. What's, the, what's a notable miracle versus the miracles that have happened? You know what I mean? They couldn't find any way to, you know, disprove it. They couldn't find any way. With a lot of times, miracles, you know what I mean, they can say, well, you know, the skeptics, it doesn't make any difference. What the skeptics think about miracles, it's whether you believe it is a miracle or not. 
if it was a miracle to you. In other words, if somehow there was a God element that went to it, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Stand with me. Should we have miracles in the church? Absolutely. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God has set. First in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, you know what I mean? Governments, he's, he's, he's put them all, all there. So he's made arrangements for miracles for your crisis, but he's also made arrangements for blessings so that you can avoid the crisis. Amen? Hallelujah. Put your hands together, give the Lord a praise. We'll close with it, we'll let you go and have some fun. And I don't know if I've done a good job or not, but you know what I mean? I tried to help you see that your picture of God is going to affect your life. The stories from the Bible they're they're meant to be more than just sweet Sunday school lessons. Or nice bedtime stories. They're meant to reveal a picture of God. Amen. And we're never too old to revisit David and Goliath. We're never too old to visit the Red Sea parting and the Jordan River. Ex- We're never too old. In fact, there's sometimes we just need to get back to the little things, which are very big things, that shaped our vision of God. Father, thank you. May the miracles arrive where they're needed. And may the principles for blessing be applied so that our blessing might live on and on and on. In Jesus' name, bless the fellowship, the food, and all of our lives. In Christ's name. Everybody said amen.